title of my message today is Proven Authority. Proven Authority. In John chapter 2, and, and we're going to start reading in, in, in verse 18, but I just want to just share a little bit of what's going on between verses 13 and 17. See, Jesus and his um, disciples and, and, and his mother, they, they go to a wedding. And after the wedding, Jesus heads over to the temple courts. But then Jesus shows up at the temple courts, and there's vendors all over the place. There are people selling livestock. There are money changers. And then how many of you know that just kind of set Jesus off when he saw that? He kind of just went Rambo on everybody, huh? He took a whip and he started whipping things. He saw tables and he started flipping tables. And then we pick up the story here in John chapter 2, verse 18, where the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? It's taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you think you can rebuild it in three days? Verse 21, but when Jesus said this temple, he meant his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the privilege and for the opportunity to gather here in this place to worship you, to hear from you and in you alone. Holy Spirit, come and give me supernatural recall of the things that I have studied. And if there's anything that you want to say that I have not studied, have your way. This is your pulpit with your word for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know that there is power and authority in the word of God? The word of God, the Bible shows us that he has provided a way for us to live a supernatural life. Not just a natural life, but a supernatural life. And through Christ, who gives us strength, we can overcome anything. Anything from our past, anything in our present, and anything in the future that we will ever face. And living in this proven authority that Jesus is referring to in John chapter 2, It isn't just learning a bunch of spiritual warfare principles and and, and just yelling at the devil until you turn blue in the face. It's not not just that. It's it's learning how to be victorious in the middle of a bad situation. It's learning to forgive when pain comes your way and someone does something wrong. It's learning that you can have peace when you experience distress. And it's the peace in resting in the victory of Jesus Christ. John 16 says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Essentially what he's saying here is, listen, I know you're going to face some things. It's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. But cheer up. You know why? Because I have already conquered that for you. Jesus has taken away the power that this world ever had to defeat us and to come against us. But Jesus made a way and he conquered all of that for us. That's why the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. I love when the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And and, and he gets down a little further and he calls us more than conquerors. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase, but he says, I am convinced 
death, demons, present or future troubles, any powers, height or death, nor anything in all creation will separate us from the love of God. He was convinced, and I believe that's what makes him more than a conqueror because Jesus already conquered for him, and it makes him more than a conqueror because he is convinced of this truth. So today we're going to look at what is this proven authority, really, that Jesus is talking about. How this authority has not only been gained in heaven, but it's also been given to us here on earth. And how to practically apply this authority in our everyday life. So if you're taking notes, the first point is this. God's proven authority in the death, burial, and resurrection. Again, in verse 19, Jesus could have said anything at all. He could have said, well, I'm, I, the authority that I have, I'm, I'm the son of God. He could have said, you know, right now I can just call on angels and they'll come and they'll come alongside me. No, no. What he said was destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Jesus' reply to a miraculous sign was the foretelling of his resurrection. And the, you know, the death of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. It wasn't a plan B. It wasn't a patch job because, you know, the project on creation went wrong. <laughs> no, because in Colossians chapter 2, it says this in the Amplified, that God disarmed principalities and powers that were raged against us and made a bold statement and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it. In him and in it. In what? In the cross in him and in it because Christianity was instituted in the mind of God before the dawn of time so this isn't some oh I got to kind of make up where things went wrong no 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 this is a part of God's plan God's plan was to always take dominion over principalities and we're going to get more into that today Jesus says this in Revelations chapter 1. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive again forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. Keys represent authority. Keys represent authority. If I were to take my car keys right and I gave them to Pastor Mark. And I said, Pastor Mark, you can go ahead and use my car and you can run to Home Depot or do whatever you need to do. I am giving him permission. I said my keys, not my wallet. Don't look at me like that. I'm giving him permission. I'm giving him consent. I'm giving him authority to use what is mine for his benefit. If he was to get pulled over or if something happened and his name isn't on the registration, right, they'll check They'll make sure, he'll say, well, someone let me borrow this, and if his story pans out, then he's okay. But if they check, and they're like, I lost my keys, and there was some weird guy walking around, and then I, my car was missing, you know what's going to happen? He's going to end up in jail for larceny of a motor vehicle. But I've given him authority. He's not trespassing. The same thing if I had keys for my house. I would be giving him authority to enter my house. And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, man, when I defeated the cross, when I defeated the tomb, when I rose again, I rose up with the keys of death and the keys of Haiti. And these keys don't only belong to me, but I've been sent to pass these keys on to you. These keys aren't, they're not meant to just sit in a nightstand up in God's bedroom in heaven or in that little cute Florida hangar as soon as they walk in the door. No, 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 no. These keys represent 
the authority of heaven. Which leads to our second point. That God's proven authority is given. It's given to us. So let's turn here together to Ephesians chapter 1. I want everyone to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Wake up the person next to you and say he's getting ready to preach. If you're accustomed to highlighting and taking notes and writing, I encourage you to do that. Because I want us to look at what I believe God is showing us here today. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given. He's given. He's given to those he called. Who? His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Now catch this. We just talked about the resurrection, right? Catch this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. If you know anything about history, the person that sits to the right of the king is the person of authority. So in verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority. Somebody say authority. He is above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things that benefit, I'm sorry, that all things for the benefit of the church. For who? For who? For who? Who's the church? We're the church. Man, we are some good, I see some Sunday school graduates in the house today. We're the church. And God, and Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in the place of authority, and we are seated with him. I love in verse 22 what the New King James, it puts it this way. And he put all things under his feet. He put all things under his feet. And I'm here to tell you today, if all things are under the feet of Jesus, then you better believe that all things are under your feet too. Can someone say amen? And you know, if that wasn't enough, here comes the exclamation point. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When Christ ascended, he transferred his authority to the church. He transferred that authority, and, and he's the head of the church. And again, we the believers of the body. It's kind of like a police officer with a badge. Hold on. Right? Obviously, this is from the dollar store, so don't judge me. But if this was a real badge from a real police department, what this represents, it's a delegated authority. It's a delegated authority from the department to the individual that's wearing the badge. That means a police officer can walk into any situation and automatically have authority in that situation over the civilians. Even more so and better for us, 
so thankful for first responders. They have authority over evildoers. They have authority over thieves. They have authority over murderers. Amen. But it's not based on their authority. It's based on the authority that comes with the badge. And it's in the same way with us, church. It's the same way with us. When we're facing things... And when someone's trespassing, when there's a demon trespassing in our life, when he's trying to rob from us, when he's trying to steal from us, you can take out your spiritual badge and you can hold it up against any devil in your life and you can say, stop in the name of Jesus. You can say, get behind me, Satan. You can declare I am the head and not the tail. I'm going over and not beneath and that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Hallelujah. Because of the delegated authority in our life. And that's why he said he has given us the keys of death in Hades. The keys of death when we, when we leave this world, when we take our last breath. It's as if we're just crossing a, crossing a threshold into eternity. He conquered that for you. He has the keys of, of, of Hades. That means every single demonic force has to be subject to his authority. That means the gates of hell cannot prevail against your health, against your family, against your finances, against your future, against your job, against your community, against your kids, against your thoughts. I feel like preaching this morning. Because he has issued you delegated authority and that authority man comes straight from heaven our last point our last point is that God's proven authority works through us God's proven authority works through us and and, you know how many of you know there's nothing in the Bible that's a coincidence see in in John chapter 2 you look down and, and, and Jesus is talking about yeah you know tear down this temple. I'll build it back up. Pharisees are giving him a hard time. We're seeing that he wasn't talking about an actual um, temple, but his body. But check this out. Verse 22, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered. He remembered. They remembered he had said this. And what did they do? They believed. They believed. The disciples came to a place of belief. And they believed in the scriptures And they believed in what Jesus had said. And everything in our life that is given by God is released through believing in what God said. Everything in our life is released by believing in the truth. And I know that there are some people in here today that you're going through stuff because we're all going through stuff. I know we're all going through things. But see, it's not our circumstances that are the problem. It's what's going on on the inside of us in the midst of those circumstances. First Peter says this in, in chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't act strange. And, and I think sometimes we, we get caught up in questioning the trials. We get caught up in questioning the trials and, and we don't take enough time to stand authority in the midst of the trials. I think we get, we get caught up and, and there's this misconception. Be, well, because I am a child of God, I shouldn't be subject to circumstances. Well, the truth is, because you're a child of God, your circumstances are subject to the authority of God. 
So essentially what I'm saying to you today, church, is, is we're going to face things. And it's not that we should have this expectation and, and that there's, you know, there's something happening, creeping around every corner. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when something happens in your life, don't be surprised. Because you have an adversary that hates you and he hates everything that you stand for. He hates your agenda. He hates your family. But you have authority against that devil, Amen. So don't be surprised, and you got to prepare ahead of time not to be surprised and, and learn how to respond to a situation rather than react to a situation. And it's our thoughts towards those circumstances that will either let us be defeated spiritually or that we can rise up above those things. How many of you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth, he's an old-time preacher, evangelist, healer, signs, wonders, miracles, raised people from the dead. And there's this story where he is sleeping one night in his bed. And um, he gets woken up because he feels like there's a presence in his room. So he finally wakes up and he looks. The story goes that it was the devil himself. And he said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to bed. Now, I don't, I, I'm just being honest. I don't think I would do that. But he did. But God's proven authority empowers us to manage our thought life. And don't let your thought life manage you. That's why in 2 Corinthians it says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And what that means is that every single thought, man, that comes across our mind, that passes through our mind, we don't have to entertain it. We don't have to be subject to it. Now, we, we, we take that thing and we just bring it under the authority of God. And you're also not forced to believe every whisper the enemy whispers into your ear. You're not forced to believe every single thing that the enemy whispers into your ear. Just like Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> it's just you. You're already defeated. No, no. That's what the doctor said, but that's not what my Bible says. Huh? That's what the news says, but that's not what my God says. And I'm going to be honest with you. There, there's times where... I don't do that. My wife is really good. Thank God for her. God bless her. She reminds me of when I'm going through a funky time and I get spiritual amnesia and I forget the promises of God. I forget what God says and what's true. And she comes alongside me. She just says, honey, that's just, that's just the enemy trying to mess with you. You know, our wrestle's not against flesh and blood. That's just the enemy trying to mess with you. And thank God for that because it's a reminder to get back. I said, you know what? I got to get my badge back out. And that's why it's important. That's why we push small groups so much. That's why this summer, man, you can't take, I mean, listen, enjoy Disney, enjoy the lake, right? Enjoy all those things, but don't take a vacation from God this summer, church. You cannot take a vacation from God because what's going to, I'm telling you right now, what's going to happen is fall's going to come, September's going to come, and you're going to be like, where are we? You're going to be, you're going to be playing bumper cars with everyone at Walmart and Target and trying to get stuff for the kids and, you know, things are going to be... Just don't take a vacation from God. Just don't get away from your notes either. But don't take a vacation from God. Join a small group. Ding. <laughs> so here we are. You're not forced to um, accept the opinions of other people. And we're going to get ready to close here in a few minutes. There was an occasion where Jesus was sitting with his disciples and they were discussing the hottest trend on Twitter. 
they were discussing and looking at the uh, video that was going viral on YouTube. Is it Yanni or is it Laurel? And if you don't get that joke, where have you been for the last two months? But no matter what radio station you turned on, they're talking about Yanni and Laurel. No matter what news feed you're, you're going through, they're talking about Yanni and Laurel. No matter what channel on the news, the news is talking about Yanni and Laurel. Some people hear Yanni, some people, some people hear Laurel. Depends on the device that you use. Depends on your, your, your capacity to, to hear and to listen. And it was so interesting because, man, the Holy Spirit showed me something through that time. They're saying, what do you hear in your life? What, do you, what, what are you listening to? How is your reception configured? And it was kind of something like that. Obviously, that's not really what happened 2,000 years ago. But, but what was trending, and the question was, who is this man? Referring to Jesus. Who is this man and the authority that he walks in and, and, and the miracles that he performs? And, the, and they're, they're kind of discussing things, and they're saying some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then everything changed when Jesus said, he turned and he looked at Simon Peter. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And in Matthew verse 16, in chapter 16, verse 17, it says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. You didn't learn this from Siri google you didn't learn this from any of those things no you didn't learn because it was taught to you in sunday class you didn't not because of your no he said my father in heaven revealed this to you and since you have this revelation of who i am he goes on to say i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and you know what you can do with these keys whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven and we get really excited about that scripture because that's a part of our spiritual authority. But if we look at that scripture a little closely, are you forbidding the authority of God to function in your life? Because if you're forbidding the authority of God to function in your life, then you're forbidding the authority of God to take place in the heavenly realm. And what are you permitting in your life? Are you permitting unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, a bad attitude on the job or in your family? Are you hoarding the talents that God's given you? Because when, 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 when you're permitting those things, then you're also permitting those things in the heavenly realm. See, and, and, and when we're permitting those things, essentially what we're doing is we're taking these keys and the authority that these keys represent and we're just giving it right back. We're giving it away. We're relinquishing our authority. But I believe there's some blessed people in here. I believe there's some blessed people listening to this podcast. I believe you're blessed because you will come to the revelation of knowing who God is. And we will come to the revelation of this authority that's been given to us. 
And that we will begin to function in that authority. Not just have that authority, but walk in that authority. As I was preparing for this message, I had to repent to God and repent to my wife. That there have been times where I have relinquished this authority. And I haven't always been that proper priest or prophet for my home. That minister, that ambassador of Christ in my community, in the realm of influence. Whether it's Iceland, whether it's in the church cafeteria, whether it's next to the water bubbler. Yes, I said bubbler. That's what we call them in Boston. God has given us authority. And we need to get back under that authority. So that we can receive that authority and allow that authority to work through us. Pastor Mark, can you come on up? And it's not because I'm telling you this today. But you need to resolve in your heart today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Today, I charge you, church, to resolve in your heart, your mind, your soul. Know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. And when he rose again, he had authority. And he's given that authority to you. 